You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It is Thursday on the Locked On NFL Podcast. We are brought to you by Vivid Seats today. And as we do every Thursday, my longtime buddy from our ESPN days, Mike Sando, joins us. Mike, what are you up to? I am up to... I'm about up to about six, four and a half. That's what I'm at yeah. right now. I think I'm going to hold that for a while. So uh, how about you? How are you doing? I'm like 6027 at the Combine. <laughs> and, and I would have guessed you were a smidge taller than that, come to think of it. I would have taken the over on 6024. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm six, six, yeah, 6044. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been wearing heels, you know, when we were together that Maybe. one. Maybe. Oh, wait. <laughs> the first time you joined us, we talked about your annual well-known quarterback tier article and that all still adds up if you guys want to go back and listen to it it's still high quality material and i don't remember where you put kirk cousins in the tiers but i think we need to talk about him yeah well first off got to correct you i didn't put him anywhere right it's all those 50 uh, gms and all those guys are in the league and to, you know, tier one, think Brady Rogers. Tier two, think Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. Tier three, think Alex Smith, Andy Dalton. Uh, tier four, think Josh McCown or a rookie who hasn't played. Tier five, think Mike Glennon. Okay, that's sort of the flavor of the tiers. So mm-hmm. one is better, five is worse. And with Kirk Cousins, he came in just sort of straddling that line between two and three. And I think he was actually in the top of three. And really, a tier three quarterback is a legitimate starter. He's going to get paid. But you're going to need a heavier dose of run game and defense on your team to win with him. So, like, Andy Dalton's the perfect Tier 3 guy, good sure. quarterback. But when they were, like, really stacked in 2015, he looks like a pro bowler. And then when they're not a good team, he looks like you might want to replace them, right? Whereas if you're a Tier 1 or even a Tier 2, you're probably your, your team is probably not looking to replace you, you know, or your fans aren't even wanting to consider it. So with Cousins coming in... Sort of there was disagreement. Is he a three? Is he a two? I thought the most overlooked storyline from week two was the fact that Kirk Cousins went toe-to-toe with a unanimous tier one quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and didn't lose. I mean, they were down, what were they down, two touchdowns? Was it 21-7 or 27? I think so, 21-7. I think it was 21-7. And at that time, I was thinking, you know, gall. If I'm Rick Spielman, those guys (laughs) over there with the Vikings, I'm thinking... You know, we paid tier one money for a tier three guy. We're never going to get out of this hole. And by the end of the game, now granted, there was that controversial, you know, uh, roughing the passer call, which helped them. But I thought Kirk Cousins distinguished himself very well by leading that team back, uh, not playing to the typical Viking formula of, you know, defense and choke them out. They had to come from behind. And remember, they couldn't do that. Um, in the playoffs, albeit against a much better defense than Philly on the road, not comparing the two. But I just think for early signs from Cousins, that was really promising and really good for the Vikings to see, as opposed to, hey, we're down 21-7, to guess what? Good night, it's over. Our quarterback can't lead us back. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because I'm not willing to say I was wrong about Cousins, but I kind of thought that he's a Tier 3 guy that I would not have given Tier 1 money. I mean, I know it was early in his career, but he was a historical turnover guy. I mean, unbelievably. And I do think that's in his DNA some. 
And when he yep. went to Minnesota, I said things like, is he better than the 2017 version of Keenum? I would rather have Cousins than Keenum. He's more of a, yep. a known. He has better tools. But behind the suspect Vikings line, is he going to, quote, do too much? And then the quarterback carousel, I mean, I thought Alex Smith, who replaced him, had a better year than Cousins. You know, behind a very bad, beat-up Redskins line, we saw that it wasn't successful. And I really worried. And I'm not saying he proved me wrong, but boy, he made a nice step in that direction. That was a heck of a game. And he, yeah, I was worried, too, because, you know, I think with the expectation, he, he was able to play in Washington with kind of a chip on his shoulders. The guy who was mm-hmm. never loved and appreciated. He was never the chosen son. That was RG3. The owner obviously wanted Griffin to, you know, and naturally wanted him to be the success story. And and you, here you'd had Mike Shanahan sort of, you know, taking Kirk Cousins and everybody wondered why. And it just never worked there. So he was able to just sort of be the guy who exceeded expectations. Well, when you go to a 13-3 and team that didn't have to get rid of its quarterback and get, you know, $84 million fully guaranteed, and then, by the way, going into the season, you have some real setbacks. Your offensive line coach, Tony Sperano, dies totally unexpectedly. I mean, the line coach is one of the most important jobs, and I think their offensive line in Minnesota is, you know, a concern personnel-wise. So I saw, And then you had an awkward coordinator situation where they brought in DeFilippo from uh, Philly and sort of put him over the guy that people in Minnesota thought might ascend to the role, Kevin Stefanski. So th- there were a lot of things that I thought could and still could um, go wrong. And I, I was nervous kind of cousin sort of makes me nervous to watch like he's going to yeah, throw an interception, right. you know, but um, you know, he has six touchdown passes and one pick through two games. Okay. Before this season, his career totals for week one and two, seven touchdowns, six picks. So think of that. He's gone from seven touchdowns, six picks in four previous seasons, weeks one and two, to six and one. And I thought just that was really a good thing for him that was really overlooked because of all the other storylines uh, in week two. Yeah, and uh, you know, that the Matthews call aside, that doesn't detract at all from when you isolate the quarterback and watch how Cousins play. He made a lot of big-time throws, and he looked really, really good doing so. The other guy who's really the talk of the league right now is Pat Mahomes, who came to my hometown and just shredded the Steelers. The week before, <laughs> he basically did the same thing to the Chargers. I think the Chiefs are going to do this. I think that's their game script. I mean, I've said that all off season. was the most fun team to watch all year is going to be the Chiefs. They're going to allow a ton of points. They're going to score a ton of points. Mahomes will be a roller coaster. Well, there hasn't been any downs to Mahomes, and he has been unbelievably impressive. I want to talk about him a little, but I want to frame it within the structure of your quarterback article that you wrote before, that whenever we finished that conversation a few weeks ago, I asked you, after talking to all those GMs and personnel and football people, who do you think they want to build their team around more than anyone? And you told me Wentz, which I thought was the obvious answer. Do you think Mahomes would be in that conversation or oh, yeah. number two now? Yes. Uh, well, I think even before the season, people were yeah. very high on Wentz. It was funny. So I, you know, I've traveled with Monday Night Football some of the time, and on this past Monday, uh, we were in Chicago for the Seahawks Bears game, and I walk into this morning meeting, and uh, I I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't really see you know who was sort of badgering me in a in a playful way. But it was you know Joe Testator, play by play guy, 
was sort of like razzing me because apparently um, he wasn't really razzing, but I mean, he was just joking with me because apparently on, uh, you know, get up uh, that morning, they were sort of, someone was kind of mocking the fact that uh, Pat Mahomes was in the fourth tier of the quarterback mm-hmm. tiers. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have included it in the quarterback tiers, but the only reason he was there was because he had one career start. So the the fourth tier is really for, people who either are not a good starter you know somebody who's better suited as a backup i always mention josh mccown no offense to josh decent quarterback good right. guy but, but, he is but that's is. that yeah or somebody who just we don't have enough information so when i pulled people on mahomes they would say things like well i'm going to put him a four now because he hasn't played but i think he can be a two you know maybe even mm-hmm. by, maybe within a year he can be a two so like right now baker uh, mayfield's a four yeah. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't mean people think no, he can't right. play. It's just we don't know. You want right, to start. Right. And with Mahomes, you know, with Mahomes, there was so much excitement about him, kind of like with Derek Carr a couple of years ago, that, you know, you're going to get half the league is going to be sharing that excitement. And the other half is going to be like, well, what? I'm tired of this excitement. Let, show me something. He played one game against Denver that was meaningless. I'm not going to give it to him off of that. And even now, okay, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, Alex Smith started last season with 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. Right? True, did, did he maintain true. that? Did he maintain that pace? I mean, you give Andy Reid a bye week, you give Andy Reid an off season. What's his record? Tears him up. So, Common do we think well. that? So right now, right now, Pat Mahomes is on pace for what ninety touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so five touchdowns per game times sixteen that'd be eighty. Right. 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 Eighty. He's on pace for eighty touchdowns and no interceptions. Do we think that's going to happen? Of course not. Do we think he's just going to be the greatest player ever? <laughs> and after, <laughs> after ten years. after after ten years, he's going to have eight hundred touchdowns and no interceptions. Is that what we're going to see? No, there's going to be a clearly going to be uh, uh, a regression to normal type quarterback play with the ups and downs. That said, it's awesome what we're seeing. I mean, I don't think that a bad court. I don't think that any bad quarterbacks ever had anything like this, right? <laughs> I don't think we're going to find out he can't play. I think we're going to find out that he's a good player. He's still young, and there will be a little wall to hit and some ups and downs, but you got to be really, really excited with what you're seeing. And I'm wanting to sign all those offensive guys and Andy Reid for like five years right now. Yeah. But do you think that he's at the almost top of the list or in the conversation of if I'm building my team around one quarterback, and obviously we're factoring in age, I think Wentz is number one. But do you think Mahomes is in the conversation for the second pick overall? I mean, that's for lofty. the whole league. Yeah, for the so for the Luck. whole league, then so for the whole league, we're going to take out any of the Hall of Famers over age thirty-three, right? We're sort right. of taking out Rodgers. We're sort of taking out Rivers. We're taking out Brady. Ben, uh, Eli, we're taking out course, Breeze. Right. right. And so you're you're really from that list. I'm going to jokingly say you take out Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> But you're okay. So we're really talking about Mahomes. Yes, I put him in the conversation. Bortles, no, I don't. Dalton, no. Goff, I don't quite put him in the conversation. No. I think he's off to the side. Luck, you could, but with the injuries, I might not. You know, mm-hmm. Cam Russell Newton, Wilson. I'm not. Russell Wilson, I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I put him there. Yeah, yeah. I put him in it. He's in that conversation. Jimmy um, G. Cam Deshaun Newton. Watson. Right, Watson. Yeah, the is Deshaun Watson in that? Those are really the guys, unless you're, you know, you. I don't think we're talking about Baker Mayfield yet. You know, no. I mean, they just haven't played at all. So, I think, 
I think if we named six guys there, and if we put if we say Wentz is in the top two, I think we say Mahomes is probably in the top three because you're not going to just put. I'm not going to put him over Russell Wilson right now. Right, that's the one I was uh, kind of sticking with. I mean, Russell's played a ton of games, but you know, after two games, it's easy to say because Russell hasn't looked great in a new offense, and Russell does have some limitations because of his height. I mean, it, it affects it affects how he plays sometimes, and uh, we've seen no limitations on Mahomes, but. We've only seen two games. They've been totally uh, encouraging, but also misleading probably for what to expect because he's, he's not having 80 touchdowns and no interceptions. So you put him, what, in the top three, right? I mean, you put him in the top three? Yeah, I mean, I do. Of those young guys? I'll take him over Newton or Jimmy or Goff or you know, certainly Mariota or Winston or, you know, any of the recently drafted high guys. Yeah, I mean, over Carr, yeah. Even Wentz, I mean, let's see him stay healthy too. You know, right. I think that's a concern with the – with somewhat of the style of play, you know, he's a, he's a, an aggressive go for the extra yard, you know, risk your body sometimes player. And there's really only one guy who's been able to do that and hold up. It's Cam Newton. Right. You know, and he's Cam Newton, is, like you know, for, for seven years, people have been saying this is unsustainable. And <laughs> right. I guess it will be. It's, I guess it will Someday. be at some point, but he's made a pretty good career out of it. <laughs> and, and even Watson's starting to come back to earth a little bit. And I liked Mahomes actually a lot more than Watson when they were both coming out as prospects. And I think Watson mm-hmm. worries me more from a turnover standpoint. And I don't think he's nearly as toolsy. Yeah, I think with Watson, we you know we cut him some slack because of he's coming off the ACL, and I think you can see he's not all the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then num- number two. You know, the number one sort of concern of him and the, you know, coming out of last season in my quarterback tears conversations with people was he got away with a lot of risky throws oh, yeah. that could catch could catch up to him. You know, I think last year he had 19 touchdowns, eight picks, which is, you know, not obviously not bad. But um, some of those picks, you know, some, some of those non picks, close ones could make that turn into 17 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And you start having that ratio you know, you're not necessarily um, in the MVP race every year. So when I was asked before the season, who's, you know, who's going to be the disappointment or come back to earth? um, I said Watson, which doesn't mean I don't love Watson. I mean, I I would love to have him as my starter if I was half the league, probably. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, sure. But uh, I just thought that was, I mean, he was like number one in the league in QBR, you know, way up there. It's like, I don't know that he that he played that and is going to sustain that, especially coming off the injury. So uh, more power to him, really good player. But I think you could see, we should have seen, and, and sounds like you saw, and, and I and I saw that he'd come back to earth somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it was, again, it was unsustainable. It was almost like the Mahomes numbers you were talking about when we started talking about him. Yeah. I mean, it's just unsustainable. He's not going to be the greatest player of all time, you know, right. eight games into his career. Um, I mentioned before we are brought to you by Vivid Seats. I told you about them earlier in the week. Since then, I've used their app, and that's definitely the best way to do it. Go to the uh, the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Since then, I, I got two Metallica tickets for me and my man Jeff. We're going to go see Metallica here at Three Rivers. Pretty psyched about that. Not Three Rivers. Three Rivers was long gone. I saw him at Three Rivers with Guns N' Roses way back when. That's maybe what I was thinking. <laughs> but <laughs> a little bit of a tangent there. That wasn't what I was planning on doing. But anyway, it was a great show. Poured. Um, so I'm psyched about that. And I'm sure you guys are all football fans, sports fans. Go get your tickets at Vivid Seats right now. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans with live entertainment with experiences that last a li- lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams, an artist, 
stand up, whatever you want. You can watch them perform in person. Vivid Seats helps find fans the seats of their choice, their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. It's very, very easy, folks. So with the podcast code locked on, all caps, all one word, listeners receive 20 bucks off your orders of $200 or more. So go to the App Store and Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app and our promo code locked on and receive 20 bucks off orders of 200 bucks or more. Also, all Vivid Seats Orders are are backed by a 100% guarantee, so you have that state of mind. All you right, got me thinking off of that. You yeah. got me thinking off of that, Matt. So if you could have had tickets to any NFL game in history and been there, um, what would you pick? Well, I've got one in mind. Uh, I'll let you think on it, okay? So yeah, for me, for me, growing up as a kid, now I was I was kind of a Rams fan in the 70s growing up to California in California and then sort of became a Raiders fan. Uh, uh, but I think I can remember as a kid with my dad watching on TV, the historic dolphins chargers game where Kellen Winslow oh, had to be yeah. helped off the field. And I remember we were supposed to go over to like a, you know, a friend's house for an afternoon barbecue. And my dad and I were like, we're not leaving until this game's over. My mom was like getting, you know, a little bit irritated with us and, and we were not leaving. And we watched <laughs> the end of that game and it was just, you know, one of those childhood memories. And now when you see those pictures of Winslow being helped off, you go, yeah, I remember that game. That was amazing for you. I thought Pittsburgh, I was wondering if it would be, you know, the, the immaculate reception. That was but my what first would be your thought. Game? Immaculate yeah. reception would be my first thought, but kind of going off script, I might've taken any game from the, what is it, the 77 season, because the Steelers okay. won it two years, and then all the people around here, my dad, my uncle, they said the 70, the team after that was their best team, but they lost Rocky, they lost Franco, they lost Bradshaw, and the defense was just absolutely smothering from that point on. So I may have just yes. sat, in the sta- sat in the seats of any of those games and just watch Joe and Lambert and Ham and those guys just demolish people. Oh, yeah. Amazing. It'd be hard to pass up. Good stuff. Yeah. Started to, started to derail the podcast here. But I, that was just uh, my Metallica I Guns love, love, I love sports. Oh, my, my Metallica Guns N' Roses experience already derailed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are your thoughts on tonight? My quick thoughts are I was a little shocked the Browns are favored, even though they're at home. Yeah. Although I was asked earlier in the week... Might we be underestimating the Browns? You know, they just went toe-to-toe with two what we thought are top five or six teams in the league in the preseason. And, you know, the tie to the Steelers might not look so bad for Pittsburgh two months from now. Or New Orleans squeaking by this pretty good defense might not look so bad two months from now. And I think they're going to come after Darnold, and I think they're going to make his life really difficult. I think I'm taking the Browns to get their first win. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, short week venue right. against the young quarterback. You know, Greg Williams is a mad scientist. You know, he's going to throw the kitchen sink right at uh, at young Darnold. And so when you look at like, uh, I just was curious. It's only two games. But I just kind of pulled up the metrics for for uh, the Browns. And right now they are 10th in the league in our defensive efficiency metric. Now they are real bad on offense and they've been really bad on special teams. So those things could drag them down, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the defense against Darnold being the edge in the game. And then I'm going to trust 
Tyrod Taylor to be, you know, a pretty good steward of the football, right? Mm-hmm. Not a guy who traditionally is going to, he's not going to traditionally lose the game with three picks. Now, you know, the reason he's on his what third team is he, you know, people want him to win the game more, but I, in this type of game, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we just bet on the Browns defense to be the difference, especially on a short week. I think that's a factor. You know, the jets have to travel. Yeah, that's my thoughts too, and I don't expect a lot of points. I'm thinking 14-13, 17-14, something like that. Both teams in the teens. But I also don't want to discount the Jets' D, too. The Jets' D is well-coached <laughs> and good. You know, they're fifth in our metric. Oh, I are just, they? <laughs> I just saw that. Yes, uh, and they're very similar. They're a little worse than the, uh, the than the Browns on offense, but way better on special teams. So, um yeah, right. the Jets' defense too is a factor is is a factor in this game. But uh, uh, I think I will go. I think I will just lean towards Cleveland until we see more from Darnold. You know, I mean, he's just starting out. Yeah. They're not exactly good at winning games, there though. There's something to be said <laughs> I, for that. <laughs> I know. I was just proud of them because they didn't lose the first game. Okay? Right, that's it was huge. a tie, and you know they went toe to toe, and it came down to kickers. I was sitting there watching those games with uh, with Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane, and they're just oh, McFarlane's just like oh, kickers, man. They got too much influence on these games. And how many times oh. have you heard the big guy on the team just lament the kicker <laughs> right. you know, at the end of the game? So we too, you know, they've been that. living, yeah, living and dying with that uh, in Cleveland. But I felt like they were a more, you know, they were a more respectable. They've been a more respectable team. You know, really, if you would have told oh, yeah. people a month ago and said name the top eight teams in the league, everybody would have had the Saints and the Steelers in there, right? Oh, for sure. So they didn't lose to the Steelers, and they really probably shouldn't have lost on the road to the Saints. So that's pretty good for the Browns, uh, even though they don't have a win yet. Um, I feel like they're going to get a few. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that front seven's very good. They're not a lot of household names. And they have a couple injuries, but they're going to come after Darnold. And I do think Darnold, like you mentioned, is the key here is in this case... I think Taylor, who makes me crazy and he wouldn't be my quarterback, just gives them a better chance to win than Darnold, considering the short week, the road, the pressure they're going to be under. And I do think Darnold has some turnover, you know, tendencies. Yes, that was one thing I wondered. It was funny, going into the year, one of the comments on Darnold, when I did the, you know, weaknesses for every team, people wondered, um, people really wondered, okay, how's the fit between a little bit of a gunslinging quarterback and a very conservative defensive-minded head coach in yeah. bowls? You know, is that, is that how you want to win the game? And you, obviously, as a franchise drafting a quarterback, you just have to take the quarterback that you like. Yeah. So that's not a, that's not a, a criticism of drafting them at all. Um, but after the first game, I got a, a tweet from a guy like, ha, what a laughable analysis that was. And I didn't say anything because it's one game. One game, right. <laughs> and the second game, the second game was a little more like that. So... Um, you know, you know, we'll see. I think you'll have your ups and downs with the, with the young quarterback, and this is a tough situation on a short week. All right, last thing I wanted to touch on is you recently, and I know you're very dialed in with this team, recently wrote an article about Earl Thomas, and I think we've discussed him before, but the more I watch the Seahawks, I think it's get whatever draft picks we can for the older dudes, and let's just start from scratch more or less. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. That's a part of the sort of calculus on this is what type of team are you? If mm-hmm. you've already decided that, look, 
we got burned to giving third contracts to guys, right? Uh, Cam Chancellor comes to mind. There's been some other guys they gave money to that were on the back nine of their careers, and it cost them. And so if you've decided that, hey, we're not going to go to Eric Berry and above money for Earl Thomas after the season, and and we also feel like he's not going to take a compromise deal, he's either going to take that from us or he's going to go in the market and we're not going to franchise him unhappy, then you start deciding, okay, how good are we this year? Are we a championship contending team where Earl Thomas could help us be that? Or are we a team like you're saying that is a little, little bit of a reset here mm-hmm. uh, with, going the with young guys? Yeah. But, but a little bit of a, you know, we don't want to put, we don't want to risk potential bad money. You know, somebody who is an older guy who's missed some games. So I think you have some time until that trade deadline. I think, I think it would be after about seven games for them. Um, until that October 30 deadline comes around, by then you should know um, what type of team you're going to be, right? If if you really turn it around offensively and start rallying, and you know at the break, you know at that point you're what? What if you're four and two and you're really surging? Do you then um, decide you know what? Let's just play it out. Uh, if not, maybe you say, what can we get for him? Let's just take a let's get an advanced payment on that comp pick that we may or may not get. You know, do you want to wait a whole another year to see whether or not the comp equation is going to line up so that you can get a third or fourth based on what Earl Thomas gets in the market? Or do you just want that third or fourth pick round pick now? And are you willing as an organization to stomach the inevitable criticism in a year that's already, you're going to take criticism for because you're not the, the team on top. Oh, what do, you, what do you mean? That's all you got for Earl Thomas? God, another misstep by the Seahawks. <laughs> you can just see it. You can just see it. Yeah. What is this team doing? All those things you have to put up with when you're not winning every week, um, they, that's new for them. They haven't had that for a long time. Are you, are you comfortable enough hearing people say, well, this is it. You're rebuilding. You're rebuilding. And then when those things are said on radio and all that, you know, remember the owners of the teams are fans too. They're not. They're not seasoned evaluators they're they're a lot of times up and down with the week to week too so all of those things come into mind if you're running a team yeah and those are exceptional points and it's not as easy it's not as cut and dry as i think that i see it but i think i know where they are as a team i don't think they can be four and two i think they are picking in the top five or six in the draft and therefore it's a pretty easy decision for me just give me another pick well, I think that because Russell Wilson's on the team and their offense will probably improve, and by the way, their defense hasn't been bad through no, two games. No, it hasn't. Um, it hasn't been bad. Um, I, I think I came into the season thinking they would be sort of a 500-ish type team. They're 0-2 um, on the road. And get this, if you go September road records since 2014, okay. so what's that, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they are 0-8. Wow. And you wouldn't think that. You would think that this is just some totally new development that they're, that they're struggling early in the year. But um, here's the worst September road records since 2014. The Browns are 0-7, the Seahawks 0-8. Everyone else has wins. Wow. And so so I, while I think the offense has been more inept the first two games than it had, even when people were calling for Daryl Bevel's job in the first half of each of the last several seasons, um, you know, they've also played at Denver in the heat and altitude against Von Miller. 
mm-hmm. and they've played at Chicago against Khalil Mack. So to me, you're going to have a much better feeling. It's, it's, it, it, for them, it has to balance out these next two weeks. They're home Dallas and they're at, at Arizona. So if they win both those games, to me, they're kind of back on track to being that 500 team, right? Even though it's not a great team, they, they're still sort of in that range. Now, if they go lose one or both of these games, then you're then to me, you're picking in the top five. I just yeah. don't quite see them. Two as a very top winnable five games coming team. up. You're right. Yeah. So I don't see them as a top five picking team right now because of the quarterback, and I think they'll figure it out. I think they have some young guys on defense that no one's heard of, just like when they first started out. You got to play these guys. Um, you know the reason they let Tom Johnson risk him and cut him after the first game is because they don't want to expose their young guys that they like, right? Mm-hmm. They're willing to take egg on their face when he goes and signs with Minnesota because they like some of the young guys. So right or wrong decision, we'll see. I don't think we know yet. I think it. it I think right now it looks as bad as it could possibly look, and we'll see after the next two weeks if that is valid or not. You're not certainly not going to trade Earl now. To Dallas, they play Dallas this week. <laughs> right. uh, you know what I Take mean? him on so the plane home it, with you. Yeah, give it a give it a couple of uh, give it a couple of weeks here. See where Dallas is. Maybe at that point, they man, they really want to do it. Maybe they give you more. So, um, I think you just I think you at least wait a couple more weeks to have a better feel for who you are. Good point. And you mentioned Denver. I know these four teams haven't all played home games, but I do think there's something to. All three Florida teams and the high-altitude team are all 2-0 and early in the season, that they're in better shape. They're brutal places to play in week one or two, and that's tough on Seattle. And to take your point even a step further, the defense has been really uh, defense has been good. Not really good. It's been good, but no Bobby Wagner or K.J. Wright. I mean, they're two of the best linebackers in the league. I was shocked that um, maybe it says something about the Bears, but I was shocked that the Bears weren't up 20 to nothing. Yeah, you know, early in that game because uh, because of not having Wagner and KJ Wright. So last year when Seattle got injured, they were not that bad defensively second half of the year. Except there was one game where Bobby Wagner played, but was very limited. He really couldn't run at all. I mean, it, it was obvious. You didn't have to be a scout to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, any anybody could see it. And uh, they lost forty five to seven at home to the Rams. <laughs> and so I, they obviously weren't playing the Rams this week. But I thought, hey. You know, Nagy, Nagy with that offense, you know, is he going to dial up some things that put the linebackers in conflict? Uh, I actually thought their defense acquitted itself pretty darn well. You know, a couple big interceptions kept them in the game. The real difference was that they didn't return their interceptions for touchdowns like Prince of Mukamara did for, uh, for Chicago. So all things considered, through two weeks, I don't think their defense is horrible. Now, in the first game, they had... Um, you know, they had uh, Griffin, the rookie linebacker, starting, and he it was too much for him. And mm-hmm. I think they really got burned on that, and that's why they were uh, in the shape they were in defensively and really lost that game. So let's see if they can get K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner back. What if then you're a top-10 defense? with? I don't think that's a stretch. I really don't. I mean, I, I know everyone thinks they're going to be a bottom-five defense, but they haven't been the first two weeks with the worst situation possible injury wise. Yeah, and Kendrick's kind of I think so. Yeah. Kendrick's kind of Go fell ahead. in their lap, and I don't know that everyone out there realizes Bobby Wagner really had a defensive player of the year type of season last year, and has been at that level for a while. I mean, if it's not for Luke Keekley, he's the best linebacker of this generation. He's he he's a he's a 
Khalil Mack of middle linebackers almost. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I no, mean, yeah, he's at that level. Yeah, and so obviously the uh, Khalil Mack plays a different position that lets that puts him, you know, rushing the passer, and I'm not comparing the value. I mean, you, you know, the, the, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's an elite player at his position and a fairly important position. You know, when you think of the elite players at, at the three down middle linebackers, Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, those are special guys who really make a difference. And for Seattle to really you know, not have him um, in this last game and not have KJ Wright in the first game. My criticism of them is you need to have better depth at linebacker so you don't have to sign guys who are maybe going to prison, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they did. Not I mean, optimal. that's a legitimate criticism. But when you look at the um, performance of the defense under the circumstances the first two weeks, I don't come away thinking they're absolutely doomed. Now, they got to get those guys back and healthy. Um, but you know, how many teams aren't affected when you lose your truly elite players on defense? Yeah. Mike, you are the man. Let's do this again next Thursday. Will do. Thanks, Matt. Always enjoy it. Absolutely. All right, man. Take care.